I'm so excited for us to be here on the week before Christmas. And so much has been going on in the past several days, many days, and I really just felt us to focus on one part of the scripture of the Christmas story. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, reading out of the NASB. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named, called Nazareth. So you guys know the story. This is where God is letting the whole world kind of know, now's the time, this is what's going on, this is the appropriate time. Now they've known since Adam and Eve, and we're not going to go there, but they've known since Adam and Eve that there is going to be someone coming in the future that's going to redeem what they lost. And that God even told them at that time, there's going to be someone who will bruise your head and you'll bruise his heel. And you see this, this struggle. There's a big event coming. So it's like the, the sweeps coming up and they start promoting what's going to be coming up. And you're like, oh, I can't wait to see that new show. Or I can't wait to see the next season of the show that I like. And, you know, it's, it's just they're, they're promoting. Well, God promoted the whole thing with Jesus coming at the garden. So here we are. It says, He was sent to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he, Gabriel the angel, said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of a salutation this was. Now, I don't know about you, but all the stories I've ever heard anybody tell about angels showing up, it's not always just like, hmm, this is perplexing. I mean, this is like a crazy moment. I mean, can you imagine? You're inside your house. You think the doors are all locked, all the windows are shut down, and all of a sudden there's a boom, there's somebody standing there. But they're not your size. They're 15 feet tall, and they fill the whole room. It's like, how'd you get in here? I mean, it's just in the presence of God that is coming with him, it just overcomes you that almost everywhere the angel's next words are, don't be afraid. Fear not. You don't have to get all worked up about this. It's all going to be fine. I'm here for a good reason. But how many of you know that if an angel showed up at the end of your bed, it'd be kind of like, eek. But here she is. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. The title of a message today is, And He Shall Be Called. So the angel is telling Mary, this thing is going to happen, and you're the person God chose. Now is the time, and you shall call his name Jesus. Another version of this is when Joseph got told about this. Matthew 1, 19. Now, Matthew, Joseph is actually the man she's engaged to, as we all know. Verse 19, and Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Okay, so pause. Can you imagine this whole dialogue going on? I mean, Mary was approximately 13, 14 years old, okay? 
So here she is, she's engaged, and that's their custom back then, that you would get married at 13, 14 years old, and they didn't live as long as we do today, so it's like you got to kind of get stuff going on faster, you're not going to wait till you're 30 to get married, because you're going to die somewhere around 40. So their life expectancy wasn't huge, so they get everything cranking at 13, 14 years old. So here she knows she's going to be married to Joseph, and they're all excited. Don't you know they're planning everything? They've got their invitations out. They've sent the little cards out, saved the date to everybody. And they got all, all set up. And an angel shows up to her and says, yeah, that marriage thing? Yeah, you're going to have a baby before that. It's like, well, how can this be? And she's pondering it. But now all of that is a phenomenal story. But now imagine when she finds herself pregnant, by God, having that conversation with Joseph. Uh, yeah. Honey, um, can we talk? It looks like you're putting on a little weight. Did you have a big Thanksgiving dinner or something? That's the Christmas dinner. Um, sorry. Yeah, I have to tell you something. I'm pregnant, and it's by God. Now, I want to suggest to you, that probably didn't fly any easier then than it would be today, okay? If my 14-year-old daughter, thankfully I don't have a 14-year-old daughter anymore, they're all older than that, but if I, my 14-year-old daughter came to me and said, Daddy, I'm pregnant, and it's by Jesus, not by Jesus, by God, you know, I'd be like, uh, no. You know, I mean, can you imagine the stress and the anxiety of going on inside of her of now she's going to be publicly shamed, and even though she knows that God says, you found favor with me, all of everybody else is not going to be celebrating that favor, which indeed they didn't. But her telling Joseph all of this, Joseph being a righteous man, he didn't want to disgrace her, and he planned to send her away secretly. See, he didn't buy it either. He's like, I don't know how you're pregnant, but... I want to live a godly life. I want to not have you stoned to death, which was a right that he had if she was found pregnant. I want to just let you be sent away to a far off place that nobody will know what's going on, and we'll just kind of you know act like this didn't happen. Verse 20, But when he was considering this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary for your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And the angel left. Now, can you imagine That whole thing, I mean, here he is pondering, he's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? The easy thing was for her to just exit stage left and just, you know, like like nothing ever happened. But now God's saying, no, I want you to take her. Well, now it looks like they're the ones who are in an ungodly, immoral relationship because now she's pregnant, he's staying with her, he didn't have her stoned to death. and See, The interesting thing for me in this as I was studying this is God still honored Joseph even though he had nothing to do with this. Isn't that cool? God could have said, hey, Mary, it's all with you and we're going to, you're just, you're the chosen one and we're going to start this path, just kick it off with Joseph and, you know, you're going to be the Virgin Mary. I mean, there's going to be all this stuff going on. 
But God honored Joseph, and he honors families, and he wanted a family unit. Even though Joseph wasn't Jesus' daddy, he wanted a father in the home. whole other story. They can go on there. But there's something about the name Jesus. I want to tell you a story that when we were in Florida, right after Lenore and I had been married, Andrew was barely born. I mean, he's a baby baby. And I like to walk and pray. That's my thing. If I just have to sit in a seat and pray, I will fall asleep. Early morning prayer at Bible College at 5 o'clock in the morning for that prayer and fasting class that we had to take for a whole semester, I would go to the library chapel and I'd crawl under the um, pews and I would seek the Lord. Um, and I would be asleep before, you know, I think my head hit the, the floor. And thankfully God knows my heart and was, you know, he didn't disqualify me because of that. But I like to walk and pray. That's where I get some momentum going on and I can just get my stride going on. And this one day I took off and I walked for probably five miles. And in the middle of that five miles, I'm walking on this long road. It's, a, it's not an interstate, but it's, it's quite busy going on there. And as I'm praying, I went to say something and say the name of Jesus. And in my prayer, I was praying for something to happen and all of a sudden, my throat got super dry. Have you ever had your throat get super dry? And you're just like... <coughs> and I tried to swallow, and I couldn't swallow. And I tried the next words coming out of my mouth were Jesus. And I tried to say the name Jesus. And it felt like somebody was on top of me choking me. I couldn't get it out. And I... It was a struggle. I'm on the side of the road. Cars are coming by me, and I'm thinking, I may die here right now. Today may be the end of the story for Kevin, but I'm going to get that name out. And I struggled, and I struggled, and I fought, and I finally was able to utter those words, Jesus. Immediately, everything was gone that had been choking me. You don't walk away from an experience like that and go, that was a Tuesday. That was nothing. I came home and I'm like, Lenore, you won't believe what happened to me. And oh my gosh. And, but the breakthrough that I felt because of it all. See, there's something about the name Jesus. Philippians 2, 9 says, For this reason also God exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. See, you can name your child Jesus now, or Jesus, or you can, you can go down all those paths and say, well, I want you to be like Jesus, and I want you to, but there's not just because you've got that name on your birth certificate does not make you the same as Jesus. God gave Jesus at birth the name that is above every name. We talked in the video that is on our app that you can watch on Choices, we talked about how God set up the authority on the earth and man gave it over to the enemy, to the, the serpent. And then God sent Jesus to supersede all that. Well, that's what it's talking about right here. God bestowed upon Jesus the name that supersedes everything. So there's nothing that can overcome Jesus because he is God. Verse 10, so at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will confess 
that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, some people say, well, that ain't going to be me. Well, let me tell you something. The same fear that you have when a 15-foot angel shows up at your house and you're like, ooh. That same fear is multiplied a gajillion times when you're standing before God Almighty. And as I said before, all the different examples that happen in the Bible, when God shows up and everybody just cowers down and says, Lord, they don't even know who it is. And their response is, you are so much bigger than me. I'm going to say, Lord, see, the name of Jesus is so above everything. So oftentimes when I'm praying for someone and they have a sickness or they have a, a a disease, or they have a symptom of something that's going on in their life, one of the things you'll hear me pray is that every sickness has a name. Cancer is a name. Heart disease is a name. Aneurysms is a name. And it says that every knee will bow, and everything has to come underneath the name of Jesus. So, Begs the question, what if someone doesn't accept him? I asked someone recently that I was talking to and says, you know, I'm this close. I, I really want to. You know, and it all makes sense, and I feel being tugged that way, and I, I really want to, but I'm just not quite ready to give up the things that I really like doing that God's probably going to call sin. What do you say to that? My response to this person is, God is patient. But what if something happens before you get around to being ready? Is that going to be enough time? I had two major events happen in the last two weeks. One of my friends, and... Let me preface it by saying that, you know, our motto is we're the church with no rules and no judging. So I'm not throwing any judging at this person at all. I'm stating some facts and some events that happened. I went to the memorial service for this person. And I loved her. I loved the whole, her daughter, the whole scenario. But this is the situation she found herself in. It was her birthday party and they went and celebrated celebrated, and they celebrated a lot. And, of course, they stopped celebrations at 2 o'clock, if you're following what I'm saying. And at 6 o'clock, she went to get her child, and whether or not she thought that she wasn't intoxicated anymore from celebrating, or if she thought she was fine, whether or not she's sleepy, for whatever reason, whatever the thing is that caused her She's driving down the road in Fort Worth and went off the road and her car started flipping and she died at the scene. We don't know. We don't know what happened to her. But we don't know what happened in that first moment of that first flip who she called out for to. We don't know what she did. I want to believe that she's in heaven. I believe she's in heaven. I have someone else this week who was also celebrating too much and through whatever reasons, through whatever means, decided to try 
allegedly something new, and that something new caused her whole body to crash, and she passed out in an overdose situation. And no one around her was conscious enough or willing enough to get her help. So somewhere between 12 and 24 hours of her in an overdose state, she finally got to the hospital where she's at right now. And the prognosis from the doctors are, we're going to leave her on life support until all the family can get here and she can have last rites. That's a serious situation. And I don't know where she's at in making a decision. I want us to look at another scripture in Matthew 14, verse 22. Jesus had just performed the great miracle that we've all heard about, where there's 5,000 men, probably as many women, and then children. So around 12,000 people are out there watching him and listening to him, and they're all hungry, and now the, it, the night's dropping, and the disciples are like, hey, we've got to feed these people because they've been here all day. What are we going to do? Let's just send them away so it's not our problem. And Jesus says, no, what you have, and he feeds the 5,000, right? It's actually probably closer to 12, 13, 14,000. But Jesus feeds all those people, we know the story, with two loaves and some fish. Okay, so not enough. It was one person's lunch, and he multiplied it enough that everybody had it, and they actually had 12 baskets left over. So it's a great miracle. Right after that, we pick this up in verse 22 of Matthew 14. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go with him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up into the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening come, had come, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Another version of this story that we see. Jesus says, all right, I'm going to go pray. Y'all go on ahead and get over there. It's almost like an advanced team. Y'all go and take the lake across, and we're going to go to the next city. But I'm going to go and pray, and I'll catch the next one or you know whatever however it would be. So all the disciples are in this boat. Now, a reminder, put yourself in the Bible, that the disciples are fishermen. So they've grown up since they were this high on a boat. They've been making nets. They've been on crazy stuff. So they've, you know, a little wave is not going to make them scared. And at the fourth watch, while they're being beaten by the wind and the wind was against them and they're starting to get really concerned about how big this storm is, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. He's walking on the water. But now, again, we can criticize them, but if you're in a boat, it's nighttime and it's dark and all of a sudden you see somebody come walking on the water, you're going to be going, oh, I bet that's Jesus. Or are you going to go, oh my gosh, what is that? Who is that? So I love their carnality and how they are. It says, but they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Ah! Can't you see him? Hey, I'd be right there with them. i just like, Yee! you know, how far down deep inside this thing can I go? But immediately, verse 27, Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. Hey, guys, it's me. I mean, haven't you seen me walk on water before? I mean, and Peter answered to them. 
Lord, if it's you. Now, they still think it's a ghost. Peter's like the one who's the first one to go, hey, I'm going to believe, I'm going to try, you know, I'm willing to do anything. Ever had a friend who's down for anything? Peter's that guy. Lord, if it's you, command me to come on the, with you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took a hold of him and saved I brought us to that scripture. It's a great understanding of Jesus is not bound by time or space or anything. But more importantly of everything is that last part that Peter says, hey, I'm willing to get out of the boat. Lord, if you bid me to come, I'm willing to go. So it has so many different layers for me. For us with this church, this plant, felt like it was time to get out of our living room. It was time to take the next step. And the water is kind of shaky and the storms are, are rising and the water's lapping up against our feet, it says in another version of this. Can you imagine being out on the water and you've never seen anybody walk on water and now you're out there with them and all of a sudden you feel the water like smacking you on the legs and be like, ah! And he started sinking and he cried out to Jesus. But I think back to my friend as her car is flipping. If she cried out to Jesus the same way Jesus reached down and grabbed Peter right away, he grabbed Heather right away. I think about Hannah in the hospital and we don't know what brain activity she's got going on. But if she reaches out to Jesus says, save me. In that split second, God is there. Jesus is still there to reach out and grab. It says in Romans 10, For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Bow your your eyes. Close your eyes and bow your heads with me. Father, I I love the fact that you gave Jesus the name that is above all names. That we're not going to have to sit here and worry if if something's going to beat us up, if something's going to be bigger than us. We don't have to worry about a situation, how it's going to turn out, because we can trust in and rely on you. But Lord, just as Peter had to call out to you. We call out to you. And we say, Jesus, save us. So right now where you find yourself sitting in these chairs, listening to us online, watching the video, regardless of where you are, Have you asked Jesus to save you? 
the last scripture we read says that whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no qualifications for it. There's nothing you had to have done right. There's nothing you could do to make it right. But it says we need to call upon the name of the Lord. So if that's you today, and you need to call out to Jesus to save you, or maybe you've walked away from him and you want to come back, just want you to raise your hand and let us know. And I want you to pray this prayer with us. Father in heaven, thank you for giving Jesus the name that's above every name. I choose to call out and ask him to save me. I accept what he did for me. And I acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. I ask you to come into my life and help me learn how to run my life. And I give it all to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.